Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And it's the start of June. Pride Month. That was very ecstatic. Well. I know. That's, <laughs> that's how proud I am, y'all. I had forgotten that it was. Well. Even though we have special movies on the docket. That's right. We do. We're, we're being prideful in June. Uh, but first, as always, we're here to shoot the flames, where we talk about some of your reviews, comments, and questions. Talk about trailers and some horror movie news. We have a lot. We do. We have actually quite a bit to cover. So let's get started. Let's. We have a new review. Okay. Right. And this is from Mbuts2 from Apple. And uh, they said, love these two. Wish they would add a bit more comedy. Love the humor. Have been binging at work since I discovered. Well, Mbuts, thank you for that review. But I'm sorry to tell you, in this particular episode, I'm not drinking. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You just got to have a strep. That's right. I have tea. I could still be funny. I could be funny with strep throat and tea, right? Yeah. Tea is always funny. <laughs> I mean, when you say it like that, <laughs> we'll do our best to add more humor. But uh, come on, we're funny, right? We can't force it. It just happens naturally. Uh, we have a lot of comments, and we're going to start with some comments from our Shooting the Flames episode from May and Ella Faint on insta said i just wanted to tell you that on your newest shooting the flames episode where my mom sang i assume he means nikki yep she screamed like she was in high school again when y'all played it in her voice it was the funniest thing i've seen all month well congratulations <laughs> but also congratulations to us because we were blessed by the voice yes oh my god i'm still goosebumps about that it was so good for real thank you nikki and thank you, Elephant, for telling us how she reacted. Keeping it in the family. Yes. I love it. Jillian Sparks Murtaugh from Instagram said, I just wanted to say that for several weeks I started listening. I was convinced you were saying Litterbox. <laughs> Instead of Letterboxd? Yeah. <laughs> Check our Litterbox for, <laughs> for the latest stinkers. <laughs> what did you get this movie on Litterbox? <laughs> we should start an app like that, though. If you ever want to look at our Letterboxd, you can search on Letterboxd, or you can just go to our show notes on any episode. That's right. And uh, get a convenient link to see our lists and all the movies that we rated. Julian, I have to know, though, were you like Googling Letterbox film flamers or something <laughs> like that to see if we'd pop up? Please tell us. David Raymond Clark on Insta said, Lo loved this episode. You're far from being tired queens, y'all. Hell, I'd say you're quite spry. Oh, and Deke. <laughs> I've been ending virtually every episode with that. It's great. I know. I've been anticipating it. <laughs> Deke. Thank you, David Ray McClark. Uh, we love saying Deke. Nikki over on Patreon said, you should definitely do a top 10 X-Files episode. Still my favorite TV show. And now that I've listened to the whole episode and heard my voice on there, I'm kind of freaking out in a good way. Glad that it moved you. It moved me singing it. Love y'all. Oh, and I would love to do a meetup at the Overlook Festival. I feel like someone said that last month, too. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, next time we're going to try and, and really, like, organize yeah. shit out of it. Like, if y'all are really serious about coming to the Overlook, A, I think you should support that festival. Yeah. And B, we can meet up somewhere, right? Yeah, We can totally. do that. The time has come. Jessica E. on Patreon gave Nikki a shout out, and she said, Nikki, you were amazing. Fire, fire, fire. Must have more. Exclamation points. And Jillian followed up with, yes, you were great. So, you've got fans, Nikki. Us, Jessica E., Jillian, and I'm sure everybody else who listened to that episode. Right. 
Bennett over on Patreon said, to answer your question about which X-Files episode I cited as my favorite, it's called Bad Blood. And it's in the season five episode that's sometimes referred to as the Rashomon episode, where Mulder and Scully tell each other hysterically different accounts of the same investigation into vampire-like murders in small Texas town. I love that episode. Among many conflicting details, it featured Luke Wilson guest starring as a handsome sheriff who catches Scully's eye, but who Mulder remember having enormous buck teeth. (laughs) It's one of the highest rated episodes on IMDb and was also written by Vince Gilligan, one of the best writers of the series who would later go on to create a little series called Breaking Bad, Oh, as well as, of course, Better Call Saul. P.S. The episode that Chris mentioned about murders among a bunch of carnies was a classic season two episode called Humbug. It was the first of a handful of episodes by writer Darren Morgan, who started the trend of humorous self-parody episodes that were often some of the best of the series. Yeah, I'm still wanting to watch this. I loved that episode that he's talking about um, because it's a small vampire town and it ends up being like a much bigger thing and more mysterious. And a lot of the times X-Files ends on kind of like a huh note rather than actually solving a case or cracking the case or Mm -hmm. anything else. It kind of ends with them going, hmm, right? And not really solving anything. And that's one of those cases. And Luke Wilson in in this is uh, actually very excellent. So... uh, Is that episode in the truncated version that you made? I I haven't. Yes. Oh, certainly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If I was going to give you like a top 10, it would be in that. All right. Yeah. It's one of the best episodes. Because I feel like we're going to be doing this top 10 at some point. Oh, definitely. And I need to have seen these episodes. Yeah. So So I'll, I'll cultivate that list. Okay. All right. Good. Do that. And I will start watching it. From our deep dive into The Witch... Jules G0808 on Instagram said, so upon a rewatch of this film, I have a new theory. The family was not simply banished from the colony, but sacrificed to the witches of the wood by the colony. I love the Vivich. To me, one of the scariest things is being kicked out of an unfamiliar land into an even more unfamiliar land with no help. That's an interesting theory. I like that theory, actually. I mean, I guess it would make sense They're the if they have to sacrifice one family should be the family that i don't know is causing so much problem i don't know that's not really their bag right they're religious types and like even the worst of the worst they wouldn't want that fate for right these are puritans yeah they want to have bad things happen, (laughs) but they wouldn't sacrifice (laughs) the act of sacrificing a human is that's only swedish oh okay well (laughs) i don't know that is a really cool theory though and something that i would never have thought about Hmm. i sort of just um took it at face value so chum card band texas from instagram said love the episode i thought the same about scrimshaw's performance his death scene stands out after the second viewing for sure that's very true when we mentioned that yeah. this is the the little boy that was in the witch had an excellent performance this is total oscar scene too that death performance is amazing david raymond clark from instagram commented witch love this episode y'all Good, I'm glad. <laughs> also, I like it when people put witch in comments. Speaking of which, Rosie Red Leader on Patreon said, I crack up every time you're able to incorporate witch into your episodes. Please keep it coming. Oh, Rosie, there you go. Right. Fun. And this is a callback to our Suspiria episode, which is like number two deep dive ever. Yeah. From like four and a half years ago or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. God, forever ago. George over on Patreon said, great episode, guys. One thing at the end, when you ask who's the hottest guy, well, this one is kind of moot. Have you seen the guy who plays the voice of Black Phillip? Yeah, he's uh, he's like some sort of model, right? And yeah. yeah, they actually put him in full 
costume and everything and regalia just in case you do see more of him um and there's pictures of him in, in costume as well as out and he's he's kind of hot he is kind of hot i had not seen him until george supplied us with a link mm-hmm. and i was just like oh my goodness so he's uh he's my new choice okay i guess by proxy Battle Breed over on Patreon said, it's worth noting that the Satanic Temple is an aggressively atheist organization that couches their ideals in religious trappings to make First Amendment challenges in the U.S., saying that the witch, quote, informs discussion of religious experience, end quote, tells me that their takeaway is that belief in God or in the supernatural is what drives the problems for these characters. Taken from Wikipedia, quote, the Satanic Temple does not believe in a supernatural Satan. Instead, it employs the literary Satan as a metaphor to promote pragmatic skepticism, rational reciprocity, personal autonomy, and curiosity. Satan is thus used as a symbol representing the, quote, eternal rebel, end quote, against arbitrary authority and social norms, end quote. Double in quote. (laughs) Double in quote. And he also added from the Satanic Temple's FAQs, the question, do you worship Satan? They answered, no, nor do we believe in the existence of Satan or the supernatural. The Satanic Temple believes that religion can and should be divorced from superstition. As such, we do not promote a belief in a personal Satan. To embrace the name Satan is to embrace the rational inquiry removed from supernaturalism and archaic tradition-based superstitions. Satanists should actively work to hone critical thinking and exercise reasonable agnosticism in all things. Our beliefs must be malleable to be the best current scientific understandings of the material world, never the reverse. It's all bullshit. I mean, it's still a religion. This is the Satanic Temple, not the Satanic Church, right? The Satanic Church is actually Satanic, right? The the Satanic Temple, blah, 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 whatever. Like, there's better ways to do it. You could have called, like, the, you know, the unchristian scientists or something. Like, if you were really like, (laughs) come on. Like, just keep it real. Like, it's all tongue-in-cheek tongue, tongue in cheek anyway. The unchristian scientist. <laughs> I'm going to subscribe to that. The unchristian science monitor. <laughs> nice. From our deep dive into Midsummer, Glazed Donut over on Patreon said, quote, This has to be one of your best episodes. This is by far the most well-rounded conversation of this movie that I have heard, and I loved it. Mm. I really liked the movie, but was conflicted about what I was supposed to take away from it. And I'm glad I wasn't the only one. This film seems to have ADHD in terms of its overall commentary, and there is nothing wrong with that. It's just exhausting. Danny and Christian almost change emotional positions by the end of the film with Christian losing his community at the expense of Danny gaining hers. I kind of wish they hadn't incorporated the relationship at all and just focused on how someone in need of a community can sometimes turn to extremism to achieve that feeling of belonging. P.S. The community members sacrificed themselves, but the rest were murdered. Murdered like Jones prized roses. <laughs> Glazed donut. <laughs> Bring the axe. <laughs> I love this comment. And thank you so much for appreciating that because we really wanted to give it a fair shake. Glazed donut really gives some thoughtful comments. I really, really like that. Um, and yeah, I, you're, I feel the exact same way. Like watching this movie, I'm like, there's something that I need to be taking away from this. And sometimes I feel like I haven't taken it away or I've taken anything away. And that doesn't make it a bad movie, you know, because um, we got a comment on Instagram that I didn't add to this docket. And someone said that it was the most unwatchable movie. And I was just like, that is not true. I've seen way worse movies than this. And yet still subjective. It's still subjective, you know, but... <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. I still like that movie very much. I'll watch it over and over again, I'm sure. And thank you for that Joan Crawford reference. My God. <laughs> and thank you for backing my side. <laughs> that was a murder. 
Sacrifice. Uh, Nicole over on Patreon said, the smile at the end is symbolic of cutting breakup bangs. <laughs> Feels great in the moment, but there will be anger and regret in the morning. <laughs> breakup bangs. Right? It's a way to feel something, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a wonderful analogy. Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, the thing that scared me most about Midsummer was just how many people thought that Danny's arc was one of empowerment. This girl was seduced into high control cult with obvious white supremacist practices by love bombing her and preying on her trauma. This movie was about the end of Danny's control over her own life. He goes on to say the hug box moment was obviously the emotional center of the film. I think all of those things are either hinted at or explicitly textual, such as white supremacy, occultism, eugenics, and even incest are all there, but don't think they're meant for larger scale social or political commentary. I think they're there simply to demonstrate that even with all this obvious waving red flags, all that took was one moment of emotional catharsis for Danny to ignore all of them. Yes. Yes. That's basically a much better and more concise way to describe our entire podcast on the episode. <laughs> it could have been a shorter episode, but I still like that episode. <laughs> but he's right, you know, and I still stand by that. Like, I think that most people if they reach that moment of emotional catharsis would do some pretty drastic things like join a cult, you know, Mm -hmm. like completely lose whatever community they had in like hopes of keeping that kind of catharsis going. Right. I think it's just a natural human instinct. David Raymond Clark commented this time over on Spotify and he said, hi for Luton Deke. Yeah, I'm now getting these like um, uh, notifications that people are commenting on Spotify. So that's exciting. Yeah. Also, I am so glad that you said that on that episode. You have no fucking idea (laughs) because I laughed so hard recording the episode. I laughed so hard listening back to it. And people I know who have listened to it are now like, hi, (laughs) Fulut. I need to make that T-shirt. Yeah. We're thinking about making the Swedish chef, but wearing the May Queen dress with all the the flowers. And then having like, hi, (laughs) Fulut and the text underneath it. So we'll let you know when that t-shirt is available on our store. Get it before we have to pull it and not get sued. So <laughs> it'll be a really limited edition. From our top 10 A24 horror movies episode, Rosie Red Leader over on Patreon said, so will the month of May become May 24 month each year? Lol. <laughs> I think it has to now. I think we're running out. <laughs> I mean, well, there's a list. There's yeah, we, we do. And then the next like two, we could do like hereditary. And yeah, yeah. totally. But That's why didn't idea. we think of May 24? <laughs> <laughs> We didn't think of October. We didn't think of May 24. Right. Terrible with month. We didn't May because of Midsummer, even though Midsummer's yeah. in June. That's right. June Bowl. <laughs> June Bowl. <laughs> I am the June Queen. <laughs> and I'm tired. I'm tired, June Queen. Glaze Donut over on Patreon said, for me, A24 has earned a reputation of making quality films. I go into an A24 film expecting it to provide, at the very least, a thought-provoking story. I get genuinely excited when they announce a new project, and I am not sure I can say that about any other movie company, especially in the last few years. I hope they can keep this energy for many years to come. Girl, go see Talk to Me. Yeah, exactly. Well, they didn't make that. They they picked it up to distribute it. So they're picking up things that match their brand a little Mm -hmm. bit. Although they're kind of getting a little bit more popcorn-y with that, right? And it's gonna. It's it's also interesting to see other uh, distributors uh, start to re- name recognize like X Y Z. Yes, right. And they're they're not as highfalutin <laughs> as a twenty four, but it's gonna be interesting to see where they go as a brand. 
Well, yes. I mean, XYZ has made some really good movies like recently. And so is Neon. Well, they've been picking things up too. Well, and Neon does too from like festivals and things like that. Yeah. But Neon for the last four can have won the top prize, the the Palm d'Or. Oh. So, I mean, like all these companies that make these sort of like genre-esque films or distribute these genre-esque films are really choosing good ones and are going after good talent. And so like, if not from a 24 for years to come, which I think they will, you have a lot to look forward to from other distribution companies as well. Poor Blumhouse. <laughs> it started out so strong. <laughs> <laughs> Bennett over on Patreon said, quote, ex machina wasn't just nominated for best visual effects. It won beating out major competition like star Wars, the force awakens, Mad Max Fury road, the revenant and the Martian. It was one of the biggest surprises that night, aside from spotlight beating out the revenant for best picture. An incredible feat for an indie film. Yes, Spotlight is excellent. Uh, the Revenant's also excellent, but Spotlight's a better and more 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 important film, in my opinion. But yeah, Ex Machina was interesting because it just seemed like it was um, key out, right? It was just doing a lot of kind of like invisible effects mm-hmm. versus like the big flashy stuff for Star Wars. But like Mad Max Fury Road, like the entire thing was done in such a way, the entire movie is a visual effect as far as like the cinematography. Right. And so that was interesting. And um, of course, The Martian was excellent as well. Tough year. That really is a tough year for that particular category. And I totally forgot that Ex Machina won. Yeah. So, I think I mentioned that it might have won. Yeah. Um, but good. I'm glad it won something. At least it wasn't snubbed completely. Although still, I demand satisfaction and it needs to be nominated for Best Picture. Jessica E over on Patreon said, cannot wait to hear you guys deep dive the vivage. Recently, I got a friend looped into watching horror movies with me, so I'm catching her up on the modern classics. Both Hereditary and The Witch had the same response on the roll of credits. Holy shit, that was fucking awesome. I can't agree more. Both of these movies, to me, are near perfect. Yeah, we're going to have to deep dive Hereditary sooner rather than later. Yeah, I figure next May 24, we can do Hereditary and talk to me, maybe? May 24? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rosie, for that, for sure. And thank you, Jessica, for showing people these movies. They need to be watched, for sure. From the Toxic Avenger, James Amon over on Patreon said, I convinced my grandma to rent this when I was eight. Safe to say, she wasn't allowed to rent movies for me after this. (laughs) (laughs) That's my kind of grandma. Yeah. From a bonus episode into Poultry Guys, James over on Patreon said, It was made for 13 to 15-year-old males in the Midwest. Probably I'm from Australia, IDK. I bailed. I found myself playing with my phone and was like, fuck this, and went out for beers. Smart choice. Anyone that reads this, please don't even bother to watch it. These two are being way too nice. It's fucking trash. It was fucking trash. <laughs> and I don't know that we were too nice. I, I thought we were pretty bad about just shreds. How we did not enjoy that movie because we didn't finish it either. And so. I would say, like, I think my original thing about, like, I don't think it's Midwest. I think it was, you know, I think it was a little bit more podunk than that. But yeah, I would hope. So, yeah, I hope that I hope you don't think from Australia that a lot of Americans are like that. No, please. It is fucking trash, though. From our bonus episode into the girl with all the gifts, Glazed Donut on Patreon said, I like this movie. You two need to have a crotch fruit month. The girl with all the gifts, the bad seed, <laughs> village of the damn children of the corn, 1984 and Stephen King, etc. And there are a plethora of semen demon movies out there just waiting to remind people why having children might not be the greatest. <laughs> semen demon. <laughs> semen demon. Crotch fruit month. Semen demon. <laughs> <laughs> my god our patrons are funny um uh, so we've done children of the corn we have a bonus episode on that glazed donut so go check that out but 
Yeah, I would love to talk about like The Bad Seed or Village of the Damned for sure. Those are classic horror movies. Valley of the Dolls. (laughs) 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 Not the same vein, but although um, Girl with All the Gifts, while she is a crotch fruit, I wouldn't put her in the same category as The Bad Seed and Village of the Damned. She She was good. She was a good kid. Yeah, I liked her. Yeah. Um, from our poll for our April bonus episode, which was trauma month, Nikki over on Patreon said, I had no idea about trauma. Time to do some digging. I did watch a horror comedy recently that I didn't realize it was a comedy. Anyone watched Tusk? I should have researched it and I would have realized it would have been a wild ride as it is a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, this is going to come up again. Yes. So Tusk. Tusk is an A24 movie and a Kevin Smith movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll talk about it in just a minute. Yep. Hot takes from Overlook Film Festival. Nikki also commented on Patreon and said, just watch Clock. Woo. I need to re-listen to this episode and can't wait to see Talk to Me. Oh, and I would love to do a meetup at the Overlook Festival again. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. So she doubly wants to. Um, I forgot who else said that, but come on, y'all. Let's do it. What do you think of Clock, Nikki? I have to know. Yeah. Uh, from our poll, which is May, um, which was A24 movies, random dude said, I've picked Green Room because no one I know has has even seen it, and I need someone to talk about that scene, which had me yelling, holy shit, no way, while rubbing my wrists. Plus, it had a very satisfying ending. Yeah, I mean, we just released the bonus episode, so uh, see what you think about what we thought. Obviously, we weren't as kind. To it as you are. But we did like the movie, obviously. Yeah, we, it's a I, good movie. I liked the movie very, very much. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know that I agree the ending was satisfying. Um, the ending was sad. Yeah. But, I mean, that's A24, so... I didn't feel like I needed more. I, no. It ended fine. It ended well. Sure. It just didn't wasn't satisfying to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But, I mean, that was more thematic. But anyway, James Almond said, fuck yeah, Green Room. So, yeah, <laughs> everyone gets to go watch or listen to our episode on Green Room. Everyone voted for it. Mm-hmm. So Nikki said, I picked a movie that I'm dying to get another person to watch. Yeah, Tusk. I should have read up on it before I watched it. We weren't ready, and I need someone to talk about it with. And Glazed Donut said, I had no clue what that movie was, but I checked out the trailer. I instantly thought of The Old Man in the Sea crossed with Boxing Helena. I'm going to watch it as soon as I assume I am in for a what-the-fuck moment. She's talking about Tusk? I think so. Yeah, so Tusk is a really bizarre, fucking hilarious movie and is kind of gnarly, too. So I I don't want to spoil too much of it, but Justin Long goes to interview this guy and ends up being kind of like kidnapped and turned into a walrus. Okay. Surgically. Nice. Yeah. So it's, um, it's really, really good. I enjoy the shit out of it. I think it's fun. Right. But it's really like hard to watch gross. And like, there's just there's some moments when you, when you see just long look like a fucking walrus. In that movie. I'm like, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with Kevin Smith? <laughs> like, really? But it was his first real, like, horror movie. And I, I thought Red State was. Oh, yeah, Red State. Well, and Red State is not funny at all, though. I've not seen it. Uh, Red State is not funny. I was fun. really highly anticipated, then it got, like, middling reviews. So yeah, I just, just never okay. got around to it. But Tusk, though. Watch Tusk. Yeah. Take a gummy and watch Tusk. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of the thing we were talking about before, which was Green Room... Uh, Battle Breeder left his comment and said, I think the big idea that Imogene's character has to teach Anton's character was that you cannot reason with Nazis. 
Anton was surprised that she wanted to kill Nazis at the end. She understood from her own experience that the only way to appease the Nazis was to let them kill you. Oh, I have, that's true. Wow. Battle burrito yeah. with all these thoughtful comments. Right. I like it. Well, there was a lot of comments from those episodes, but we have some other comments, questions, and et cetera. Jason over on Instagram said, I love the pod. Have you seen Vivarium? If so, what'd you think? Worth an episode? Nope. Next comment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I didn't dislike the movie. I thought it was good. The thing is that I, I will never watch it again, probably, because that screaming child. Yeah, I didn't know. I It was intriguing, and I, just, I don't feel the need to watch it again. Yeah, I was think it, I liked it more than you did. Was it thought-provoking? Perhaps. I don't know. Was there a screaming child? Definitely. Yes, there was. And it's kind of like, I didn't really like any of the characters. In yeah. fact, they were annoying. Yeah. I also don't like that actor. That actor annoys the shit out of me. Eisenberg? Yeah. yeah. Jesse Eisenberg. Who was... Im- Imogene Poots is in that, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's in everything, so... Yeah. <laughs> Poots! <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about Vivarium before. I think it's made it onto a top 10 list. I think way back when we were doing Pandemic streaming watches i think that i maybe added it to a list or something, something like that or maybe it yeah maybe it was like what to watch what to stream yeah during the pandemic because it was available that's when i watched it or it could have been like a, a, a hot take review of the year or something i don't know might be on a shooting the flames when we used to do hot takes on there um i remember we talked about around the, probably the same time we talked about the vast of night which i need to see again mm-hmm. that was really good yeah jason if i can figure out what episode we talked about vivarium on i will send you a dm on insta film prof bear here it is nikki's brother uh, over sent us an email and said, after hearing your episode about 28 days later, not a fan at all of 28 weeks later, when you mentioned the introduction of digital cinematic productions, I wanted to mention one of my favorites from the time session nine, from yes. 2001 starring David Curso, uh, Stephen Gavadon and Paul Gulfoyle and Josh Lucas. This was shot on Sony Cine Alta HDW F 900, same as star Wars episode one. I thought that was on a red camera. Maybe they switched. Um, in the 28 Weeks Later episode, you mentioned a film called Cargo. I show the short it was based on and give us a link uh, in, in my classes when we start breaking things down. Oh, I didn't know so Cargo I have to watch was based the short. on a short. Oh, well, I have, need, I have to watch Cargo first before I can watch the short. Yeah, for real. I don't want the movie to be ruined, but I'll watch both. Yeah. Uh, session 9, so good. That movie is fucking terrifying to me it scares me every time that i watch it really what's about uh this team is like removing asbestos from an old like um asylum that's been shut down for a long time like after they shut all them down and um like strange things are afoot josh lucas's character gets like sucked into listening to these recordings of this one um patient and just the the sound of that patient talking is just frightening because he's just sitting there listening and the camera sort of just panning around the room and you're hearing this person's voice like alter and whatnot it's just a scary fucking movie wow okay i'll have to watch it i love it i'm surprised you haven't seen it actually it's Hmm. quite frightening jessica e sent us an email and she says okay my fave flamers i promised you some pics and after listening to your shooting the flames episode where you encouraged me to Throw fuck to all the wind. (laughs) Sorry, throw fuck all to the wind. I went and did it, y'all. You're right. Who gives a shit? So I spent about five hours and took about 250 photos and got two satisfactory shots for you. And if you don't think for five seconds, I didn't face tune the fuck out of these two shots. 
By the way, my sister, boyfriend, and our friends all love the Sigourney fucking Weaver shirt. So we're all ordering matching Sigourney fucking Weaver sweatshirts when we go out to Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando this fall. More pics to come then. Hell yeah. Y'all are the best. No, y'all are the best. Oh, and yes, you can post these pics when, whenever you want, wherever you want. I don't give a fuck. It's for you to do so whatever you like. I am on Insta and I do follow you guys, but I don't post anything. So if you want to tag me, great. I will just send the post as bragging rights to my sister and boyfriend. And that's it. And she looks gorgeous in these pictures. You look great. And she's wearing the Sigourney fucking Weaver shirt and she's wearing the Come Flame With Us shirt with the with the Shining Twins that we did recently. You look great. And I'm so glad that other people are wearing them too. And you're going to be wearing them at Halloween Horror Nights. I haven't been to Halloween Horror Nights. Damn it. But our shirts will be. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we need to make a pilgrimage. Which we do. We need to do a meetup at Halloween Horror Nights and the Overlook. My God, this is what 2023 is going to be about. Yes. Meetups. We got some voicemails. Okay. And our first one's from uh, Kimberly. It has everything. Supernatural, hot priest, demon possession, cannibalism, cults, and MTV's Dan Cortez. <laughs> yeah, so this is the this is the voicemail is in reference to her comment that uh, we read it like Stefan from SNL, <laughs> and she's telling us to watch the show Evil, and that's what she's referencing referring to. <laughs> it has everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's what I added on the last. <laughs> <laughs> when I tried to do it. Cortez. Well, now I'm sold for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Kimberly. We'll add that to our watch list. We also got a voicemail from our, uh, well, from our one of our new patrons. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, goes by, I guess, Trump Card, which is also his band. Hey, film flamers, you highfalutin. I'm going to use the... Uh, Yosemite Sam Virgin of highfalutin. But this is uh, the Scorbus again from your Texas punk band Trump card. Uh, check us out. Anyway, enough about me. I wanted to talk about Midsommar. And uh, I had an epiphany while I was listening to your podcast, and I think that uh, there's a parallel here with The Shining. And if you think about it, there's a bad relationship, right? And there's a bunch of crap in the past that they're trying to get through. And they're coming home, and they're being called both Jack and our little May Queen are uh, set on a path to get back to where they're supposed to be. And either, whether it's by... Uh, you know, white, fancy cult folksters or ghosts, ultimately, they come home. And what I really think is interesting is the very last shot in both movies, they both come to the realization that they're home, and there's a the last shot is both of them smiling because they finally realize they are home. That's all I got for this, uh, this week. And uh, you guys, keep it up. You guys are great. I just got to remember to get on board and be a Patreon subscriber because y'all deserve it. You're fun to listen to. Can't get enough. Thanks. Peace. And I I believe that's William Skinner, uh, which is our new one of our new patrons and also calls himself the Scrotus and also part of the the band 
trump card, which we need to look up. Yes, we do. I'm going to do that. This is a local Texas punk band, I guess. Yeah. And so uh, everyone go check them out. For sure. I'm trying to remember what the last shot of The Shining is. It's not him frozen. It's the picture, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's smiling. He's, he is smiling. He is now, quote unquote, home while trapped, you know, in the new. I mean, I get it. I can see some Danny Jack comparisons, I guess. Yeah. Although it's like almost like Florence Pugh's story is more like the Jack story in a way that she gets trapped. Yeah. You know. I get it. I just need to think a little bit more about that. Trapped in the timeless picture. I don't know. <laughs> Trapped in the timeless cult. Yeah, I have to think about that as well. But thank you for uh, letting us know about your epiphany. Yeah. If you have some more, call the voicemail line again. Mm-hmm. William Skinner is a new patron. And uh, he said, uh, always support your local creatives like Trump Card and the Film Flamers. They create for your pleasure. And they can always use your support through word of mouth and the good old American peso. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says thank you like dollars in the waistband. Please. That's what he's trying to say. Mine's open and ready. <laughs> uh, but aside from William, we have two other new patrons. And that is Josh Young as a fire starter. And Anthony Criswell as a film flamer level. And Anthony has a podcast called Beards and Sundries, which is really good. So y'all should check that out as well. He does that with uh, his partner and his friend. They're really fucking hilarious. Right. And uh, we have to shout out. Our patrons at the Film Flamer tier are higher. And they are Kimberly, who is a Film Inferno level patron. And fellow Inferno is Penelope. We have Anthony. Ashley. Ben. Glazed Donut. Jessica. Lisa. Nikki. Rosie Red Leader. And William. But especially William. But especially William. <laughs> With that American peso. With our comments and our voicemails and our new patron at the Film Flamer tier or higher, he's definitely... Oh, yeah. Getting especially to this month. Especially. You are all over this episode, William. Thank you for all those comments. And thank you, everybody, for those comments and for being patrons. If you would like to join the Patreon family, head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers. Get all of our bonus content. Vote in our polls. As you can see, people are like cheering, singing on and things like that. There's a lot of conversation happening over on Patreon, y'all. That's where it's at. Yep. Horror News. Well, Robert, looks like Pooh Bear is a trendsetter. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the news with Slim Pickens, (laughs) y'all. We're getting more horror updates of beloved children's tales, and they're headed our way. And they include Cinderella's Curse, Sleeping Beauty Massacre, Peter Pan, and Bambi. I don't know why this is happening. I really, I haven't seen. Is it all by the Pooh Bear company? Like, no, just okay. like, so once, once Winnie the Pooh entered the public domain, you know, and people have gone wild with it, right? I still have not seen Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Blood. There's a sequel coming, although. And, um, but yeah, every time I turn around now, they're like, Cinderella's Curse, Sleeping Beauty Massacre. I'm like, what in the actual fuck? God. They're all turning over a hundred something. Well, some of these things already yeah. are, you know, okay, but like. Yeah, this is the gold rush. Yeah, and so, I mean, I know that things are cyclical, especially in horror movies, but, like, horror fairy tales are nothing new, but they just seem to be in abundance right now. So, Disney, prepare to be parodied in some way. (laughs) I hope you're ready. Uh, But, um, you know, we oftentimes talk about how, you know, Oscars and things like that never recognize horror movies. Well, we can't forget that there are genre specific horror awards and the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards were just live streamed on Shudder. 
and all the winners have been announced. And of course, these are all voted on by the public. So you can go onto Fangoria's website every year, vote for the movies that are nominated, and those are the winners. And these so. prefer 2022 explicitly? Mm-hmm. Okay. They do this every year. So, um, well, whatever they're in their voting parameters, right? So it could be like the end of 2021 into 2022. Okay. Yeah. So, but like the winners this year, so best wide release went to The Black Phone. The best limited release went to Terrifier 2. And Terrifier 2 actually won the most awards that night. That's so weird because yeah. like, I feel like the first one didn't really get much. It took a while to gain some steam. Uh, yeah. And I really did not like that movie very yeah. much. You told me that was in bad taste. Yeah. Um, and maybe like it's shouldn't just, watch it. So I, I, I've seen some clips. It was, it was very misogynistic in my yeah. opinion. So, um, but the other movies nominated for best limited release were orphan first kill resurrection, which is an amazing movie. Why didn't that win? I don't know. Something in the dirt, which is also an amazing movie and mad God. Yeah. So why, <laughs> but you know, I, I, obviously these are popular popularity contests. Yeah. Awards. I mean, a lot of people saw terrifier too and made, it made a decent amount of money in the theater. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a mixed bag. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so best streaming release was prey, which mm-hmm. of course, for sure. Uh, best series went to Stranger Things. Best first feature went to Watcher, which we Yay. saw at the Overlook. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was great. Uh, best lead performance went to Mia Goth for Pearl. Well, thank God. I, for real, she needs to get something. Best supporting actress uh, actor went to Madeline McGraw from The Black Phone. Excellent performance. Uh, loved her in that. And best director went to Jordan Peele for Nope. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm glad that some of these movies um, are being nominated for this and are winning these awards, right? And this is really just for the horror fans, right? Obviously, it's streaming on Shudder. And, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people tuned into that. And uh, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards are getting bigger and bigger every year. And it's just it's – it's a good thing to support. So make sure next year you guys go and vote, be a part of it. And maybe one day we'll have our own award. The Flamies. The Flamies, as we keep threatening. <laughs> Finally, Terrifier 3 is officially happening <laughs> for release in late 2024. <laughs> Why do they keep forcing us to tell Terrifier news? I mean, I'm going to have to just watch the second one, I guess. It won Best Kill, and there was a screenshot of the kill, and I was just like, oh my lord, it looked like... <laughs> There was blood everywhere, a body hacked up, sitting up against a bathtub, and a smiling clown. I was just it like, "It doesn't seem scary though." Like I've seen the clips, it's not it doesn't seem scary. I, I need to watch them, but I don't it like just seems clowns. just like well, it seems like the closest thing to torture porn that. Oh yeah, yeah, and I hate that term. Yeah, I mean, I just don't like clowns, and that's a horrible clown. <laughs> but I will. I guess I'll watch it one day, maybe. Who knows? Coming soon. So we got a handful of trailers for you guys. And the first one is a movie that uh, debuted at Sundance this year and had got some pretty buzzworthy praise. It's coming to Netflix in June, and that is Run, Rabbit, Run. Right. And so this is about uh, a woman whose child had died and mm-hmm. then like seven years later adopts a new kid, I think. And it is theoretically possessed by the dead kid. Something like yeah, that. or reincarnated or something. Yeah. I who yeah, knows? It, it was born the same time that the other one. I don't know. Yeah, it's it, more crotch fruit, right? <laughs> and she's like, I mean, it's just like another demon semen, another demon semen movie because the kid is all like, "You make me hide and hide," and I'm like, <laughs> oh "My God, it's like the little boy from the Babadook, but a girl." I mean, this is also an Australian movie, so um, I don't know. I mean, it seems 
it seems like something that I'll watch just because it has gotten a lot of buzz. But this is the first trailer that's been released for it. It's the first like moments of this movie that I've seen. And just deep down, I feel like I've seen this movie before already. Yeah. Like, but, you know, we were, we thought that about the black phone. That is true. And the black phone turned out to be amazing. Some things don't have to be original if they're just really well done. That's true. And a lot of people like this movie at Sundance. Netflix, I think, spent a lot of money on it. Yeah. So, yeah. Next up is God is a Bullet. And this is in theaters in June. Stacked cast. It's got. Michael oh, yeah. Monroe it's got Amika and... McGraw or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Monroe, isn't oh. it? Something Jamie like Foxx and that guy. I can I can never say his name from Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, yeah. Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks great. But I mean, like, it looks like a really well shot film. It looks interesting. It looks good. But the the dialogue seemed a little not great. Yeah. When I was watching trailer. this trailer, I was just like, oof, oof, this dialogue <laughs> is bad. I was like, I don't know if it's a delivery or it's the way it's I don't written. Know if it's a delivery, but maybe it's just like bad snippets. So I don't know. Um, it looks like it could be very good, though. Yeah, and there's some intense moments, like when a child is getting abducted and there's like abductors coming from all angles. Yeah. That child has no so escape. It's like Jamie Lannister's kid is, is stolen and given to a cult. It seems like green room, but outside. <laughs> yeah. The green space. There are tattoos involved and sacrifices. It's green room slash Midsommar. And all over the place. Micah Monroe plays Imo- Imogene Poot's character. That's right. Basically. It's, it's highfalutin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is a trailer for a movie that we could have caught at um overlook this year but we did not we missed it it was showing with other things at the same time and it's brooklyn four five it'll be coming to shutter amc plus this july is it brooklyn four five or brooklyn 45 um either or uh, both I, yeah i think it's 45 i mean i think it may take place in 45 so sure or maybe it's about like the 45 record maybe that plays by itself like tiptoe through the tulips or something i don't know Who but knows? it's like a it's like talk to me Mm-hmm. But like developed or produced by the ARP. Yes. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of old white people having a seance. <laughs> and they're locked in a room because they broke the circle before it was t- time. And now shit's hitting the fan and there are ghosts and shit everywhere. Small cast, single location. You're going to love it. Probably. I do love old white people. <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> What's not to love? I mean, yeah, so it, it looks good. We're old white people. <laughs> but, uh, for real. I feel older every fucking day. So I have something to identify with. I mean, I keep getting emails from the AARP. I started getting stuff too. That guy, I'm not the only one. <laughs> every time I turn around, I'm like, I want to respond, but there's no one at the end of that email. Spam. <laughs> but I'm like, at what point you hit an age and they're like, just get ready. You're be walking into Long John Silver's being like, where's my senior citizen discount? Before you know it. Long John Silver. Jesus. Lubies. <laughs> if Lubies offered a senior citizen discount, they wouldn't make any money. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie looks well made. It seems like some of the effects are kind of cool. Like like haunted mansion-y kind of ghost effects, right? That we don't really see anymore. A little pokey. A little William Castle-y. Yeah. You know, but I'm down for that. We'll see. Watch the trailer. See what you think. Yeah. Let us know. Next up, we got The Creator. And this is in theaters in September. And this is a big sci-fi original, looks like. Um, I don't think it's a remake. I, I don't know if it's based on a novel or a graphic novel or anything. It looks wholly original. I, I don't really know the details of, of the uh, director, producer's cast. and didn't do much homework other than seeing the trailer. It's the same lead that was in the latest Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know his name, um, but you know, obviously competent. And uh, this, theater lo- or this, this trailer looks amazing. 
It does. It looks like something I have to see in the theater. Yes. I mean, I will never, never let a Dune-like movie with this kind of spectacle pass me by in the theater ever again. I'm still kicking myself for not seeing Dune in the theater. That's the trailer that I forgot to add. Dune 2 trailer came out, so check that out. That's right. We can talk about it next horror, Jason. We have time. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the creator looks really good. I mean, there were some moments where I was like, okay, like... I could see a little Blomkamp in this or something like that with the way the robots Which is looked. good. Yeah, I love all his movies. So, like, I, I'm into this. I'm down for this. Maybe it is Blomkamp. I don't know. No, it's the guy who did Rogue One. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Rogue One was good, Rogue shockingly. It was excellent. I think that's by far my favorite Star Wars movie. Could be. So, yeah, I'll see this for sure. Next up, we have A Haunting in Venice. And this is um, another stacked cast movie, and it's directed and starring Kenneth Branagh. Ridley Scott is producing, and I think this is coming in the line of movies from like Orient Express, Death on the Niles, right? Pierre Quo, but this right? is like the first time Kenneth Branagh, as far as I know, is doing like direct horror, right? And he's no, obviously mean, done thrillers and things like that. And exactly. Some, you know, ghosty stuff with like Hamlet-y type stuff that he's done. But I mean, like this is a very competent director, very competent actor with a very competent producer with a very competent cast, including uh, himself with Tina Fey and Michelle Yeoh and a bunch of other people. That's right. So. Um, and I think everybody's on board with Michelle Yeoh these days, which is excellent. So yeah, give him I have high hopes. I do too. I mean, and this is the third time he's playing this character. So, I mean, like, obviously he enjoys doing it. He's doing it well. The movies are making money. Yeah. So, and this one looks surprisingly horror adjacent, if not like full on horror. We have given stuff in the trailer. We don't know what happens afterward. Right? I didn't realize but, this. Was, I thought it was, I knew it was like a series of novels. I didn't realize it was like the same character. Yeah. So that's, that's her, that's her detectives. Hercule Poirot. I can't even say it. Okay. Anymore. So you think it's going to be like a Scooby-Doo type of situation where everything's like wires and, you know smoke and mirrors probably he has to come and like figure it out it's a mystery okay it's an illusion next up we've got five nights at freddy's whatever that is i know and it's coming out of theaters and on peacock whatever that is in october (laughs) whatever that is (laughs) someone sent me a meme you mean cocktober okay cocktober someone sent me a meme this week it said hbo max is now max your move peacock so it's just like (laughs) hell yeah i wish they would just call it cock (laughs) Five Nights at Freddy's is going to be open on the cock in October. <laughs> Peacock. Cock. <laughs> okay, I feel like... It makes itself. They could actually like market Cocktober. They could. Oh, my God. Do it, NBC. <laughs> and then it'd be a different type of bird. <laughs> to change it to a rooster. rooster. <laughs> I feel like every three or four shooting the flames, we talk about Five Nights at Freddy's for some reason, typically in the news, right? And then in our last... End of year, we were like, okay, this movie's finally coming out this year, finally, and here it is. Here's finally a teaser trailer. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to watch it, like, regardless. But I'm not going to watch any more teasers or any more trailers. I'm just going to leave it at that. I was, it's really creepy, though, when that child sinks down into the ball pit. Yeah, I don't know. It's too well lit. It looks like it's really going for the lowest common denominator, which is probably going to be all the kid- the kitties that are obsessed with this, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? Well, and also, I mean, they spend a lot of money, you know, with Jim Henson to create these animatronics. And I mean, I want to see them. Even though I feel like Five Nights at Freddy's has been out for like five, ten years. The game? Yeah, there's like several different versions now. Great. That, that original game scared the shit out of me. We, we, we never really had a competent Slender Man movie come out. Mm-mm. No. And that's fine. I remember the first time I played this game, I jumped. 
when I died because that bear pops up in the dark. I'm like, Fuh! let's get the <laughs> fuck out of me. <laughs> the last trailer on our list is another movie that we could have caught at the Overlook, but it was playing at the same time as Clock. And I'm not sure that it played any other day, but it was a movie called It Lives Inside. This is something they added after the fact, after they released their schedule. Okay. So it was a very late edition. But um, based on the synopsis, it looked intriguing, intriguing enough for me to put it next to clock. It's kind of a teen horror. I think it's got like a um, an Indian or yeah. Pakistani um, uh, lead. Yeah. And takes place in a high school. And I think it's about an Indian or Pakistani. I don't know. Um I think it's Indian. I think it's Indian. Yeah. Okay. And she's, she's sort of struggling with her identity because her family is very Indian and she's been raised in America. So, and then she's dealing with sort of this like Indian folklore, you know, and coming to terms with who she is. Yeah. So as sort of like American Indian, Indian yeah. entity or whatever. And if, and the, the, the twist is like, if you, if anyone tries to help you, you're the only one that can see it or whatever. But if anyone tries to help you, they get hurt mm-hmm. or die. And it looks scary. Yeah. I mean, it looks damn right fucking creepy. It does. And it has a fairly good rating on Rotten Tomatoes for those who've seen it. Okay. There's like a 68% or whatever with limited reviews. I feel like um, it was a world premiere. Too. Yeah, but I don't know when it's coming out. They just say, or where, if it's going to be picked up for streaming or if it's going to be in theaters or both. Uh, but it's, theoretically, it's coming out in fall. Yeah. I really wish that we had caught this movie, though. Like, Yeah, but I mean, we saw so many really, really good films at the Overlook this year that I don't know what I would have traded it for. You know that werewolf movie, that stupid werewolf movie. Yes, yeah, that definitely would have been one of the ones to. Some yeah. of those shorts, and maybe the marijuana one. Oh no, I like that one. It Trim season, it was okay. Trim season. I mean, like w- at least one of those block of shorts. Oh God, yes. You know, I mean, there were some gems in some of those blocks, but like some of them, I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. I feel tainted. Anyway, well. As always, you can go and check our show notes for all of the links to these trailers. Watch them. Let us know which movies you're looking forward to, what you think of these trailers, and we'll talk about some of your comments on Shooting the Flames, maybe. Well, guys, I think that about wraps up this month's Shooting the Flames episode. Please continue to leave all of your comments and questions for all of our deep dives and polls and bonus episodes and everything else so we can continue to shout them from the rooftops that's right you can find us on social media at the film flamers on twitter facebook or instagram you can email us at tired queens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733 did you say the word taint <laughs> mm, it lives inside <laughs> Come spend five nights in my Freddy. <laughs> don't know what that means. I don't either. Get into my hug box. <laughs> <laughs> what does all of it mean? But it's provocative. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> provocative. <laughs> Guys, we have a lot of content coming out for you this month. We are talking Ian McKellen, one of our most important gays, and some of his most important. Um, horror adjacent or not even close to horror adjacent work. Right. And that's going to be apt pupil by a short film or short story in a long film by <laughs> Stephen King. Right. That's right. It's a novella. Yeah. yeah. By also by uh, Brian Singer. Mm-hmm. It's Brian Singer. So and we're going to have to talk about that. 
And we are also talking about Gods and Monsters, which is the biopic, um, sort of fictitious biopic of James Whale's last days and his last thing after Brendan Fraser. Yes. And uh, speaking of Brendan Fraser, maybe we'll do a bonus episode having to do with the whale. I'm not sure. It's not really horror adjacent at all. No, it's... But I might have to shove it down your throat nonetheless. I mean, shove Brendan Fraser down my throat. It would, it would, you know, take us full circle with the whole gay thing. Take us home, Brendan Fraser. And isn't that what Pride Month is all about? Passing the baton from Ian McKellen to Brendan Fraser. I mean... Even though he's not a gay. No. He's an ally. He's a gay in the movie. (laughs) Anyway... I mean, I'm sold. (laughs) Stay tuned for all of that, guys. And we really enjoy reading our reviews on Shooting the Flames, especially like we got from Imbuts too. So head over to Apple Podcast. What? So head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you like us. We'll read that on Shooting the Flames. Or these days, just tell us why you like us anywhere. Instagram, DM, Spotify, I think, has a way to do it. So... I don't know. We just need 22 more ratings and we can be eligible for Rotten Tomatoes. That's right. We are yours. close. We can taste it. Just pretend how important that is. <laughs> <laughs> to us. <laughs> Make it happen. We're pretending. For us. I know. <laughs> All right, Chris. Let's uh, head off and start watching some of these gayish Ian McKellen movies. Gayish. Gayish. That's another podcast. It is another podcast. What are we doing? Let's go have some uh, <laughs> sweet dreams. Ian <laughs> <laughs> McKellen's super gay in Gods and Monsters too. I really like that performance. Well, who does he play? James Whale. See? James Whale. Oh, I oh, yeah. know. Oh, it's Brent so Frazier. many circles. Yeah. So many circles are being completed oh, in Pride God. Month. <laughs> we almost have to. <laughs>